Good morning. <laughs> Is this on? Oh, it's on. We were talking in staff this week. We were trying to find a creative way to get people to stop fellowshipping. <laughs> no, we enjoy the fellowship. But I want to continue our time in worship here in a time of generosity. So thanks, Alex, Jeff, and Ruben. Thank you, Matt. Um, but before we dive in, I, I want to share a story with you real quick. Um, I had the pleasure of being at our mini conference yesterday with Dr. Robert Loggins. Uh, everyone cheer for Dr. Robert Loggins. Yeah. If you were there, it was a great time. But as he was speaking, he referenced obedience. And the Lord popped a, a portion of scripture into my mind. And I felt like I was supposed to share it this morning with our congregation. And it's about giving, but it comes from the story of Esther. So you might be wondering where I'm going to get giving and tithing from the story of Esther. But uh, what the Lord was speaking to me was that that whole story, the plan of the enemy through Haman was to get rid of God's chosen people. And Esther was put in a position to where she could be used by God to prevent that. And Mordecai said to her at one point, he said, God's going to bring about his salvation on his people another way. If it's not through you, he'll use someone else because they're his people and he's going to bring about salvation. So my question, I know there's a lot of needs in our uh, fellowship here and there's a lot of people going through things. If you're, if you're going through something right now, big or small, just raise your hand real fast. Yeah, a lot of hands out here. And you may be struggling, you're wondering, why am I in this valley? We've been talking about the valley, the valley. And we, we've talked in the past about evangelism, and my dad, Pastor Dave, he's used the phrase that whose salvation is on the other side of your willingness to obey. And I think that that applies not only in evangelism, but applies to our situations too, and our struggles and our circumstances that we're going through. That your salvation, your salvation in that instance, in that scenario, might just be on the other side of your willingness to obey God and the simple things like giving and tithing. They're biblical principles. And God might have you in this chapter in your life, this trial, it's not a temptation, it's a trial where God's refining you and you're in this area and imagine it's like a little box that you're in and God's using that to grow and refine you. But that process only works until you've grown and filled up that area and God wants you to move into the next chapter. And there's a border there and that border is obedience to God. And you can grow where you're at, but it's going to start feeling more pressure on the sides of that box because you've done the growing in that chapter. But God wants you to grow more. He wants you to grow out of that. So um, I just want to encourage you and challenge you because today we're starting our 40 days of prayer and fasting. But it's more than that. And as we were talking with Dr. Robert Loggins yesterday, it's 40 days of saying yes to God. Prayer and fasting is a part of that. But... It's saying yes to God. So I want to challenge you this morning in your tithe. If you don't tithe, if you don't give, it's a biblical principle that every Christian and follower of Christ should be doing. So if you don't do that, I just want to challenge you today and this morning to start that. Because the moment you say yes to God, great things are going to happen. There's no showing. And I just want to share with you a portion of scripture from Malachi here that will encourage you. Uh, the Lord it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in the house. The Lord says this, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And so I just want to encourage you because God will be a debtor to no one and he, he will do what he says he will do. So just, he says, test me in this. So I encourage you, even if in this 40 days of prayer and fasting, it's 40 days of saying yes to God, and say yes, 
be obedient and see what the Lord does. So I encourage you in that. So ushers, you can come forward real quick. I should have brought you forward earlier, and we're going to bless this offering. Dear Lord, uh, we just, we're so thankful for who you are, God, and you're just all sufficient, Lord. And I pray that you would... Um, that you would just bless us, God, and I pray that you'd encourage and stir us just to be obedient, God, and to just grow and step out of our comfort zone and just listen to you and be obedient, God. And uh, Lord, I confess, and I know many of us would probably confess that we struggle in obedience to you and giving, struggle in obedience in other places, Lord God, but I pray that since you're almighty God, I pray that you would just show up in our lives and show your all-sufficiency, Lord. I pray that we would just get rid of all our worries and doubts, Lord God, and just put our faith and our trust in you and see what you will do. So I pray that you would just bless the giver and the gift, Lord, and just expand the ministry that's able to be done as a result of just uh, your children obeying. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 All right. We got some announcements. Woohoo! Well, hey, welcome to Hillside this morning. Uh, super stoked uh, for myself and everyone from the Damascus campus. Uh, we get to have fellowship together here at Sunnyside, so we're just super excited uh, to be in this house. And I have the wonderful uh, job today to give some highlights, to give some announcements. And we actually have quite a few, so uh, buckle your seatbelts because I'm going to be up here for like 15 minutes. No, I'm just messing. But uh, <laughs> first uh, highlight that I really want to focus on is next Sunday, really next weekend, our ladies are going to be away at ladies retreat. So I just want to encourage the entire fellowship, uh, be in prayer this week, building up to the weekend. While the weekend is going, ladies, as you're away, I know you're going to be praying and worshiping and studying God's word. But for those of us who are still here, let's be praying for our ladies that, that God does something dynamic there at women's retreat. And so that when the ladies come back, I mean, it just is a fresh infilling for this body. And so, so we want to pray for our ladies who are at women's retreat. I have a testimony that I think is super cool. We had our Wichita uh, community dinner this last Friday, and, it, and there were some amazing things that occurred. We had three salvations. Okay, let's get a little more noise. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. We fed between 60 and 80 people, which is also super awesome. Uh, I, I, I had a chance to eat a little bit of the food, too. It was really fun. Uh, God's doing amazing things. And so that's every third Friday of the month. So if you're looking for a place to serve, maybe you can't commit to serve every Sunday morning, but maybe you have a Friday evening during the month free. You need to sign up and be a part of our Wichita Community Dinner. It is an amazing time. It's going to be super cool uh, as we kick off the school year with this. Uh, another highlight that I really want want to draw some attention to is October 31st. Uh, our church is putting together a community outreach. It is going to be a harvest party, and it just so happens it gets to be at the HCF Gladstone campus. we got the Damascus family and the Sunnyside family here, and we're going to be doing a harvest party in Gladstone. It's going to be a great time. We're going to be looking for volunteers, but as you'll see in your programs this morning, what we really need is truckloads of candy. So if you're at like Winco or Safeway or Fred Meyer's or wherever you choose to do your grocery shopping and you see a bag of candy, just grab one. Don't, you got to pay for it, uh, but grab one uh, and, and, and bring those to your respective campus on Sunday morning. Drop those off. We're going to be stockpiling candy or little prizes and all that good kind of stuff. So make sure uh, you stay paying attention to, to our volunteer list and everything as we're going to be having signups in the weeks in the, uh, to come as we're, as we're getting ready for that. And then the last highlight that I really want to draw attention to, uh, I'm going to start it off uh, with a Bible verse uh, because everyone knows announcements should be biblical as well. Amen. 
Amen. All right, this is what it says, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. We're kicking off 40 days, as you heard John say, 40 days of yes. We are saying yes to the Lord. And we're going to hear a whole bunch about that this morning. But we are kicking off 40 days of prayer and fasting. And so I just want to encourage you. The pastoral staff at Hillside would like to encourage you. God's word would like to encourage you. That's the best encouragement right there. That we are to be a people of prayer. And so I want to just encourage each and every single one of you, as, as, as we even prepare ourselves to hear the message this morning, let it be in your spirit that Today, I'm going to kick off a time where I am being a person of prayer. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm going to give the mic over to Pastor Dave. Here you go, sir. A.K.A. affectionately known as Dad. It's good to be in God's house. Amen? Amen. It's great to be together. Praise the Lord. I'm just looking across the congregation, seeing who all's here. Actually, I'm making notes of who isn't here. <laughs> Hey, I also want to let you know next Sunday at both campuses we'll have a little bit of a life group ministry fair introducing our life groups. We're encouraging everybody to sign up for a life group, okay? So you're going to see all that detail laid out next Sunday, and we want you to jump on board because we're kicking off September, the 1st of September. So wait a minute, the 1st of October. We're in September. I'm two weeks behind, three weeks behind. That was funny. Okay. Hey. I want to thank Jeremy Linden. Jeremy, are you in the house? Did I see Jeremy come in? That brother, he's working this morning probably. Lisa, are you in the house? I'm not sure I can see you out there. But anyway, he spent like 10 hours smoking those pork butts Friday afternoon. That is an amazing deal, right? Come on. That was some good pork. Yeah, there we go. There we go. He's going to watch us online. Jeremy, you are the man. Thank you. Also... Chris and Lindy, it's great to have you guys back. You guys are coming back from Spiritual Emphasis Week with Teen Challenge. And Lindy, I saw you just at the very back, gave you a hug. You told me a great testimony. You guys called out at the uh, uh, Wild Horse Ranch. You called, was it Wild Horse Ranch? Washington. Washington Family Camp. And you guys called for some lifeguards. Some lifeguards came so that there would be coverage for the guys when they go out and do their swimming. It's probably for baptisms, right, because there's danger in baptisms. And uh, then one of the lifeguards gave his heart to Jesus. Come on, that is awesome. Great job, great work. And we saw some amazing things. I saw, I know, on Facebook and social media, God just doing great things at the Spiritual Emphasis. We're praying with you and praying for Teen Challenge. Praise the Lord. Timo and Nancy, you welcome a new grandchild. I saw that baby. Come on, come on. That's great news. Congratulations to you guys. And uh, it gives me great pleasure this morning to introduce in a few moments uh, a brother in the Lord who's become a great friend in short order. I met Dr. Robert Loggins by his book uh, a, less than a year ago. One of our dear pastors in the community, three years in the community at uh, Sunnyside Foursquare Church, D DJ Vic. We've done work together with them and ministered together in our community. He invited me and a number of uh, pastors right here on the east side of the freeway to go through a 40 days of prayer and fasting or 40 days of saying yes to God. And 
in that was a devotional and Dr. Robert Loggins' book with suggested reading, biblical principles to apply, and some fasting suggestions to implement in your life on a daily basis for that 40 days. And so there were three of us that walked through that journey together, and I want you to know it was a dynamic journey. The very nature that three pastors in the community that would gather together regularly to talk about and express what God has been doing in our lives as a result of our obedience and saying yes to the Lord in other areas of our lives was dynamic. And it encouraged us and inspired us. Well, about three or four months later, we were engaging in a leadership development book together. There were a number of pastors that were going through, and so I presented it to our staff. A great book, uh, Canoeing the Mountains. It's the story of uh, Lewis and Clark and their expectations of crossing the United States using their canoes. And they miscalculated a little thing called the Sierra Nevadas. How many of you know that's a big miscalculation? They had no idea that they were going to come to a mountain range that is so wide and so vast and so tall. They're used to hills in the Adirondacks. And they came to the Sierra Nevadas. They had to improvise. They had to change. They had to make make a go and do something different. And so it was a great conference. And uh, it was there because Dr. Loggins had taken his staff through that book. When he had heard about it, he contacted DJ and said, hey, I want to come out and hear the author get my book signed. And uh, so he came. I saw him. And I went up. I about tackled him with a big hug. And uh, I said, brother, I want you to know that your book has had an impact on my life and is having an impact in our community. And we're going to be introducing to our church a time of 40 days of prayer and fasting and saying yes to God. Then he said something, and I think it was absolutely the Spirit of God who spoke to him. And I think it was, um, I don't know how to say this, but it was just he, without consulting with his team, without consulting with the most important person in his life, his wife. He said, I will come out, I will come out at my own expense, I will print the books for your team, and I will come and I will do a prep day mini conference on saying yes to God, entering into the presence of God, and seeking the face of the Lord, and preparing for the 40 days of prayer and fasting. And I said, oh, what? And probably in the back of my mind, I'm like, I don't know if this is real. Is, this, is he just saying that to be nice? Well, he, he was like legitimate and said, no, this is the real deal. We began to communicate in, in phone conversation, and he sends me an itinerary. We set some dates. He sent an itinerary. And I am thrilled because Dr. Robert Loggins is an amazing brother in Christ, just amazing brother in Christ. He's a highly educated man, many, many doctorates, and I mean uh, earned doctorates, just fascinating education. But beyond all of those pieces is a man who has a heart for God and has a heart for God's people and God's people to enter into deep relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he is going to come and he's going to share with us this morning. So will you give a warm hillside welcome as Dr. Robert Loggins comes to share with us this morning.
Our study this morning is from the second chapter in one of the greatest books, I believe, the Lord Jesus Christ provides uh, for his church. As a matter of fact, it is the impetus and the aspect of the birth of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for those who take notes and capture these moments, uh, you would be able to leave uh, judiciously. Those who do not, I would call my mother, Gladys Louise Ruth Agnes Taylor Loggins, who was a professional whipologist. <laughs> so don't let me call my mother. All right. Acts chapter 2 is our study of this morning. Acts chapter 2. And I want to lay a few structural, foundational things for the edification of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to jot this down in your reckoning. And here's a question. What is it that makes a church a great church? What is it that causes a church uh, that calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be a church that is the epitome of being a great, great church? Is it, first of all, is it the size of the church? And your response is? Is it the number of weekly attendees of the church? And your response is? Turn the note up a little higher. Is it the lavish and prestigious edifice of the church? Is it the socioeconomic level of the people that pack the pews or occupy the chairs? No. So, beloved, what is it that makes a church a great church to bring glory and honor and majesty to the King of Glory? What is it that, that God infuses in the church that causes the church to be so electrifying that even demons prostrate and fall at the feet of a church that's on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad you asked me that question. <laughs> Would you stand for the reading of the Word of God? Leonard Ravenhill says in so many words in this book, Why Revival Tarries, and Dr. Luke, the author of Luke Acts, responds to Ravenhill's perplexing question, why revival tarries in this response. Acts 2, verse 42 through 47 is our reading this morning from the New International 1984 edition of Scripture. And the Bible says, I'm glad you got that, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God <clears throat> and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number 
daily those who were being saved. I'm going to talk this morning, beloved, from this thought and this construct, the characteristics of a great church, the unique and distinctive traits that marks a church of the Lord Jesus Christ to be a great church in the mindset of God. I believe, unless you all have been fooling me, I believe that this church right now, this church, HCF, I believe this church, if you're not fooling me, is a great church. Father, now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my blessed Redeemer. In the name that is above every name, the name whereby every knee shall bow, every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray, and for Christ's sake we ask these things. And every heart said amen. Amen. Amen a second time. Amen. Let's set this city on fire. Amen. Just one more time. Amen. One for the Father. Amen. One for his Son. Amen. And one for his precious Holy Ghost. Amen. Take this hand here. Take this hand right here. Let's do this. <laughs> you may be seated in the presence of God. And do not tell uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, these Baptists, that I said Holy Ghost uh, it's not spooky, I just have to say Holy Ghost, all right. The time has come for every church in every community to give the church back to God. I honestly believe today, beloved, my reason for being here is that I saw something in the heart of this church by not even being in this church to see the people at this church or to know anybody in this church, but I saw through the porters of the Spirit of the living God something about this church. Beloved, in my story today in the text, beloved, the church was ready to go public. The church had been underground, and it was, it was ready now. The, the bubbling up of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ was, was moving in the heart of the church, and the church was ready to bust loose. But, beloved, it needed power. The church did not need human power. It needed heavenly power. It needed Holy Ghost power to set the souls of men, women, boys, and girls on fire with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that these folks would begin to gossip the gospel. That these folks would become gossipers. They would gossip in the community. They would gossip at home. They would gossip at church. They would gossip in the schools. They would gossip on the job. They would become professional gossipers of the gospel of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, come on. Immediately, beloved, 
after a protracted prayer meeting, the fire of God, Pentecost, fell, and the Holy Spirit of God filled the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls with a power that set the church on fire. And on that day, the historical New Testament church of the Lord Jesus Christ came out of the womb of God and a birth occurred that were so distinctively dynamic that it literally shook the pages of history that the church of Jesus Christ was now alive and well on earth. Oh, give him praise. You get out early. If not, we'll be here all day now. I am an African-American preacher, so I can go all night. So if you say amen, we'll get out early. If not, I can stop all night. I have nowhere to go. Nowhere. <laughs> Thus, beloved, it begs the question in this interrogative, what were the divine, jot this down, the divine distinctive marks the divine distinctive marks are the traits, are the characteristics that made this church such a great and auspicious church in the heart of God. Beloved, by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to give to us this morning uh, seven unique distinctive characteristics of traits of a great church. These are the traits that, that the church must always be lined up with and be measured by that God would do a work that only God can do. These seven traits, these seven marks, these seven distinctive characteristics, they, they, they open up the windows of heaven and God pours out a blessing upon a church who aspired to hold to the principles associated with these traits. The first trait or characteristic of a great church is its devotion, its devotion, its devotion. Uh, this church was devoted, get this now, to apostolic teaching. In other words, it, it was devoted to the teachings that those who have been taught by God. You see, we have a lot of churches where people are not taught by God. They're not taught under the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. The apostolos, the apostles, they had been with the Lord Jesus and they were their teachers. In Acts 2, verse 42, beloved, the Bible says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In other words, beloved, they loved the Word of God. They loved both the living Word and the written Word. You see, beloved, the, the, the living Word is the Logos, the L-O-G-O-S, the, the Logos. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 1, verse 1, the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In other words, the Word of God is Jesus Christ incarnate. They love the living Word. Not only do they love the living word, beloved, they also love the written word. The written word. Uh, the written word is the rhema, R-H-E-M-A, the rhema, the scriptures, the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. 
I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Yeah. They love the, the written word, the Bible. In Ephesians 6 and verse 17, the Bible says, take the helmet of salvation, the sword, that's the rhema, of the spirit, which is the word of God. They love the written word. You see, beloved, every great church is a word-devoted church. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathways. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. We serve a word-giving God who knows how to give a word to set the church on fire. So, amen. so they were devoted to the word of God. They were devoted to the living word and the written word. They were, they were consumed by the power of the word of God, just one word from God is enough for marriage. Just one word from God is enough to bring a child home. Just one word from God that can break bounds. There's just one word from God can set you free from addictions. Just one word can set your soul on fire. All it takes is a word from God. So, beloved, unless you're fooling me, this church is a word-driven church. Unless you're fooling me, unless you're blowing smoke at me. Okay. Repeat after me. Doc, we're not blowing smoke. We're just on fire. There's a second trait or characteristic of a great church that delineates it from all other mundane and ordinary churches that's not busy about our father's business. And that is this great church was its fellowship. Its fellowship. A lot of fellows in the ship. But thank God for the fellowettes. The ship would be mighty sad without some fellowettes in the ship with you. <laughs> this church was in fellowship with, get this now, it was in fellowship with both God and man. In Acts 2, verse 42b, the Bible says, and to the fellowship, and to the, watch this now, and the breaking of bread. Boy, have I not been breaking some bread around here. When I get on the scales, when I get home, I'm going to have more pork butt in me than you can shake a <laughs> stick at. This church love. The fellowshipping together, the warmth, the fellowshipping, all coming together to be one in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the word fellowship means more than just eating fried chicken and crucifying gospel birds. I'm from Mississippi. We have killed many chickens in Mississippi. <laughs> There's a many chickens that when they got to heaven, they said, how did we get here? And when, you, when you're dealing with a preacher who loves the gospel bird, I mean, most gospel preachers like the gospel bird. Well, that's why they're gospel preachers. They're cock-a-doodle-doing. <laughs> it's not just eating fried chicken, but the word fellowship, beloved, get this now, is the Greek New Testament word. The word is koinonia. The koinonia. The, the word koinonia occurs 20 times in the New Testament. The word koinonia primarily means to be in fellowship. Biblically speaking, it is that which is in common union with God. 
to be in common union, to be in communion or common union with God, to have a relationship with God that because regardless to our ethnicity, regardless to the areas we live in, regardless to the education we have, it doesn't matter. When we come together, we are in fellowship as brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ Almighty. Hallelujah. In Ephesians 4 and verse 1, the Bible says, get this, Ephesians 4 and verse 1, there is one body and one spirit as you were called to one hope. When you were called, uh, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all, uh, over all and through all and in, Paul had to be from Mississippi. He says, and you all. <laughs> that has got to be a Portland Southern vernacular. That's fellowship. Every great church, despite its size or its nature or its denominational affiliation, every great church comes from the heart of God. And when the heart of God is in the heart of the church, and when God shows up in the heart of the church, there is something electric that happens that sucks Folks on fire. Oh, come on. Give it up, y'all. Give it up now. We'll be here all night. I fly out tomorrow morning. I got plenty of time this evening. They were devoted to Christian fellowship. They were consumed by the heart of God. Now, unless y'all blowing smoke at me now, y'all just about got me fooled. I believe that this trait rests in this church. Fellowship. I have not been hungry at all, both of food nor building relationship with my brand new family and my brother and your pastor teacher for the glory and the edification of the Lord Jesus Christ. The third trait our great church characteristic or trait is this. I want you to get this now because we talked about it last yesterday in our study as we got on the path of the journey to holiness and holiness. I want you to get this now. It's also it's a construct that's hyphenated and that is it's prayer life. Prayer life with a hyphen. It's prayer life. This church was a praying church and not just a playing church. This church was busy about its father's business and not its own business. This church had one agenda, and that was to bring it to the Lord Jesus Christ on their knees and know that if God said it, that settles it, whether they believe it or not, that God can do anything but fail. In Acts 2, verse 42c, beloved, the Bible says, and three words, and to prayer. Don't misconstrue those three words. That's powerful. And to prayer. And to prayer. And prayer means, beloved, it means talking to God, talking to God, in conversation with God, spending time in God's presence, talking to God. Meditation is reflecting on what God has said to you. Meditation, reflecting on what you're regurgitating what God's, but getting into his presence, you're talking to God, and then you are listening to everything God has to say to your heart. So, beloved, every great church is a church that is in fellowship with God, fellowship with God. Every great church has a prayer 
life. And every great church has a devotion to God. The prayer life. Jot this down. And in Acts 4, verse 31a, the Bible says, And when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembling together. They were fellowshipping. And they were praying to God and trusting God to do only what God can do. And God shook the place up. Oh, yes, he did. He shook it up. Mm-hmm. I'm all shook up. Mm-hmm. He did a pre-evis before they knew him. Beloved, unless you are blowing smoke at me today, I believe that this church, HCF, is a church that has a prayer life. So what's the first characteristic we take in notes? What's the first one, beloved? Come on, call it out. Devotion. What's the second one, beloved? What's the third one, beloved? The fourth trait or character trait of a great church is epitomized by the nature of this, and that is this. It's spirit-filled life. Spirit-filled is hyphenated. It's spirit-filled life. This church was full of it. Don't answer that question. <laughs> This church was full of it. It, it had a spirit-filled life. This church was filled with the spirit of the living God. Look at Acts 2, verse 43, uh, beloved, in our text this morning. The Bible says, everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. So they were so full that it began to bubble up and run over because the presence of the Spirit of God was in that place. When the Spirit of God is in his house, there is liberty, there is freedom, there is an anointing, there is a presence that God reaches into the very recesses of our hearts, and he speaks to the needs of our life. When we are full of God, everything else comes out of us. So God can get his work done in and through us. Come on, come on. The church was spirit-filled with spirit-filled people. Now, beloved, this meant that God was living in them. God was living in them. He had begun to tabernacle with them. He was living within them. He, actually, the Bible says they were indwelt. They were being indwelt by the power of the Spirit of the living God. Look at Ephesians 5, 18. Ephesians 5, 18. The Bible says, do not get drunk uh, on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled, be filled, be filled with what? Be filled with what? Be filled with what? Be filled with what? Y'all speaking in tongues. Be filled with what? Be filled with the Spirit. To be Spirit-filled. Every great church is a Spirit-filled church. Look at your neighbor next door to you and say, this church. Looking right smack in the kisser. Said, this church. We may not be all that. And a bag of chips. But I want you to know. We are in the bag, and we are spirit-filled with the power of the Holy Ghost of God. And whatever God said we can do, we can do that and a whole lot more. Put your hands together and give God praise and thanksgiving. So they were devoted 
to having a spirit-filled life. You show me a church where the lives of the individuals from the pulpit to the door, from the, from the musical instrument and the, those who lead the music, from the deacons, the elders. You show me a church where there are people that are full of God. I'll show you a church that can take a city for the edification of the Lord Jesus Christ. You show me a church that's filled with God and a church that's on fire for God and it will transform Portland, Oregon by the grace of the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ. Look at your neighbor next to you and say, you know something, neighbor? You're full of it. Don't ask them what. There's a fifth trait or characteristic of a great church, and that is its commonness. Now, spell C-O-M-M-O-N-E-S-S, two N's. It's commonness. It's Commonness, it's commonness. This church had an uncommonly common connectivity. Uncommonly common connectivity because of the movement of God. Look at verse 44 in Acts 2. The Bible says, all the believers were together, get this now, and had everything in common. They had koinonia. They had a common connection. They were connected to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ who has sent back the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God had moved in them. Now God wanted to take that movement in them like God has moved in us and God wants to scatter us around the city to bring others to that relationship, that commonness that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. You show me a church like that, and I'll show you a church. You have to knock the walls down to keep people from being able to come in. Come on. Let's go. The members of this church, and my Mississippiism just came out of me. My mama's voice just came to me. I'm sorry, I got to tell you. My mom would say, the church. In every church, in every church, in every church that has this commonness in them, they aspire to do the common good. The common good is to do only what God would say do. Now, get this, beloved. Paul said in, in that Corinthian writing, in 1 Corinthians 12, Verses 26 and 27, as Paul's write this letter to the church at Corinth, which was a very gifted church, but had many different factions and fractions in that church, and it was missing the aspect of the corner of God in that church. And uh, this was in his first writing to them, and the second writing of the book of Corinthians is, may also have been a third, possibly a fourth, we're not sure, but definitely a third a writing. But in this first writing, in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26 and 27, the Bible says this, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Somebody said amen. amen. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Somebody say amen. amen. Now you are the body of Christ 
And each one of you is a part of it. Let's repeat these wonderful words. We are one church in one location to do one thing, to bring all of God's churches to be in oneness with the Lord Jesus Christ. Every great church has a commonness that is so uncommon today. But see, the fractures and fragmentation that exist in the, ethnic, the ethnicity, the economy, the social dynamics of the church that brings fragmentation to the heart of God. But this church, like, I hope y'all not fooling me now, like I believe this church has for the edification of the Lord Jesus Christ. This church here, I believe, has that positive, possessive, godly commonness that everybody is somebody, regardless of what they've gone through or what they have experienced. And I saw that with my own eyes as I witnessed this church in a school reaching out to people that most sophisticated church folks don't want to be around because they're not like them. They don't go where they go. They don't look like them. But I observed the unbelievable poignant passion of Christ of individuals breaking off, not only feeding the person's food, but after the food festival was over with and pastor doing the excellence in balloon making, he could twist more balloons. I tell you, I've never seen a balloonologist like that before in my life. I mean, he was like, he was twisting like, I'm saying, he is, he should go on the show to be a twister balloon. I mean, your, your pastor was hooking it up, okay? But all I saw was one thing, that every individual in that school that had now become, I think, a daycare or something of some sort, that every person, regardless to where they fell on the totem pole of the ethnicity or of the economy, every individual, get this down, get this down, was being loved and hugged and cared for. It was absolutely beautiful. They're communists. Now let's take an educated guess and see have you been studying well. Now remember, if you do not study well, you do not lead class. So what is the first one, please? Give it to me. The second one. Third. Fourth. Fifth. The six distinctive characteristics of a great church, or a trait, if you will, was the matter of its generosity. Its generosity. It wasn't a stingy church. It wasn't tight. Some churches are so tight, they sweep. They're tight. It wasn't a tight wide church. Because a tight wide church never ever accomplished what God would have that church to accomplish. But this church was 
exponentially and very intentionally generous because of the generosity of the Spirit of God. It was, it's generosity. This church was spiritually generous in every aspect of its demeanor. Look at Acts 2, verse 45. The Bible says, selling, uh-oh, their possessions, uh-oh, selling their possessions, uh-oh, and goods, oops, their boats, guns, uh-oh, brothers, selling their boats, their Winnebago's, uh-oh, their Hawaii trips, their Alaskan cruises, their Bahama experience, the Cancun engagement, vacationing, selling their possessions and goods. Brothers, now let me pick at the sisters, selling their fur coats, selling their jewelry, selling their, um, yeah, those expensive dresses, shoes. I asked myself, how in the world, my wife has all these purses. She said, I'm going purse shopping, purse shopping. And I finally, it finally, I finally had a divine revelation that the purse matches the shoes. I never got that. <laughs> so I was wondering, all these shoes, and this closet full of shoes, and this purse, what are all these purses for? I have a wallet. I have a wallet. Every, my, I don't need a purse. My wallet works. Everything I have in me is my wallet. Amen, brothers? Amen. What would happen if every wife would get a wallet and sell all the purses and shoes? Boy, we would be having a great church. <laughs> brothers, if you do that, call your insurance agent. Raise your insurance amount and prepare to see Jesus. <laughs> it's generosity. Look at verse 45. They're selling possession and they gave to anyone as he had what? Need. So the church was a need meter. It was meeting the needs of the people, not the needs of his own desires. The members of this church were sold out to God to help others in the area of their needs. Jesus said, beloved, jot this down in Luke 6, 18, give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Amen. Come on. Amen. Every great church is a spiritually generous church. Generosity flows to the very beings of its Bible. This church believed God to give and give and give until it feels good. They were possessed by the spirit of hilarious generosity. Now, unless y'all blowing smoke at me, okay. Because I told pastor, I said, look, I don't need a fancy hotel. Just give me a, a place with a, with a place to shave and shower and uh, internet and just, that's all I need. That's all I need. That's all I need. And he went beyond that. I didn't need that much. 
Because, you see, beloved, to be a blessing to God's people is a blessing to God. And to see a people that God showed to me about this church and this community, it brings glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Generosity. The seventh and conclusive trait that is epitomized in the heart of the text in our episode in the Acts of the Apostles for the ekkaleo, the call out assembly, the church, the ekklesia, the ek means out of, the kalesis means to walk alongside the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is an ekkaleo. He calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. Once we had not received mercy, we now we have new mercies flowing through us every day. This church, this ekkaleo, this call out assembly. Acts 2, verse 46 and 47 rest the case. And the Bible says this, every day they commit, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere heart. I've been doing a whole lot of that. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people and the Lord added to their number. Get this now. Don't miss this now. Daily, 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 those who were being saved. People were coming to Christ on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. When they were coming to Christ, they brought them to the fellowship and they became a part of the fellowship. Somebody came on Monday, somebody got saved on Tuesday. All through the week, they were saved, coming, the church was growing. What would happen if God turns that loose at HCF? The church was growing supernaturally. Every great church is a growing church. They had a supernatural, healthy growth experience. Do you honestly believe, beloved, that this church, this church, is growing in spirit? and in truth, and in righteousness, and seeking to make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Come on, come on. Do you believe that? Come on, give it to me. Come on, give it to me. Come on. So, beloved, what kind of church that really transforms this world is a church that possesses those distinctive traits. And the first one is? Devotion. Let's shout it out. Devotion. Number two? Fellowship. Number three? Prayer. Number four? Spiritual. Number five? Amen. Number six? Generosity. And number seven? Growth. One more thing, and it would rest my case, and I would be concluded in our treatment this morning. And I would be, um, I would be inaccurate in my attempt to exegete the text properly without bringing in a level of warning that helps us to execute the heart of the text. Because the Lord Jesus Christ, he died so that every church could be a great church. He gave his life for that. However, every church must beware of one dangerous thing. 
One thing, don't miss this. Pride. There are seven things that the spirit of pride can rob from any great church. It can kill it. The spirit of pride can rob a great church from being devoted to God. The spirit of pride can rob a great church from being in fellowship with God and man. The spirit of pride can rob a great church from his prayer life. The spirit of pride can rob a great church from being spirit-filled to becoming full of themselves. The spirit of pride can rob a great church from experiencing a common unity among all the body of Christ. Number six, the spirit of pride can rob a great church from being generous to become stingy, 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 and tight. Cheap, cheap. The spirit of pride can rob a great church from experiencing supernatural, unbelievable, and unfathomable growth. That's why the, per the proverbial writer said in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, there are 16 the Lord hates, a seventh that are detestable to him, a haughty eyes, lying tongues, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and, and a man who stirs up dissension among the brothers. The spirit of pride. But what is God's solution to the spirit of pride? The only solution that I know, beloved, is death. Is death. In other words, beloved, we have got to die to self. We got to get over ourselves and learn how to live a crucified life. Look at your neighbor, say neighbor. Say neighbor. I, I recognize the problem. I'm still full of myself. Do you agree with me? Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who liveth in me. In the life I live by faith, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Verse 21, he says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. A great church must be a crucified church. And if you believe that this church is aspiring to be that kind of church, would you stand, please? If you believe it, don't stand if you don't believe it. Would you stand, please? Would you stand, please? Paul said it so clearly and so well as relates to God's church. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common selling their possessions and good. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord, come on somebody, and the Lord, again, and the Lord, again, and the Lord, again, and the Lord, now get this, added to their number 
daily those who were being saved. Beloved, God brought you here this morning to bless your life. God brought you here. You've been coming to this church, coming to this church, coming and coming and coming, and you have not tied a knot. It's like dating your girlfriend and calling her your wife. You've got to get you a ring for her, one of those big stones, and you got to set a date and have a wedding. The Lord brought me here today to say to you, because I don't know you, but I know you're here. I've been in ministry 47 years, and I know God brought you here, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. Don't let any prideful thing or anything hinder you from doing what God would have you to do at this moment. I'm going to ask my pastor to come and stand right here, right here. I'm going to ask the musicians to come right now. I'm going to ask my pastor to turn right here, pastor, right here, pastor. And I'm going to ask my musicians to come. And then I'm going to speak directly to your heart. And today is time for you to tie the knot. The Lord is calling you to come home. It's time to come home. It's time to say, God, I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do. I'm ready right now to do what you want me to do. When you hear the musicians begin to play, you come. You come, bring your burdens, bring your hurts, bring your struggles, bring your shame, bring your pain, bring your brokenness. I guarantee you if you do that, the Lord will set you free. For whom the Lord has set free is free indeed. Don't hold back. Don't ask anybody a question. If it's a husband or wife, your husband don't go, you come wife. If your wife don't come, you come. Kids, if the parents don't move, you come. You come right now. Don't miss it. Come right now. Come right now. Come quickly. Come right now. Come quickly. Come right now. Come quickly. They're coming. You're coming. Come right now. Come. 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 Come right now. The Lord has an answer for you. God has the solution for you right now. You come. And if you're coming to surrender your life to the Lord, the pastor is here for you. You gravitate over to him. Come closer to this pastor. He's a good shepherd. Come to him, the good shepherd. He is not the shepherd of the good shepherd. He is one of the sheep that is now the shepherd under the good shepherd, the great shepherd. But you come and make that decision. You come right now and you say yes to God. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. Yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, as we spend this time in your presence with every head bowed, every heart open, Father, we seek you right now. We know that you love us so much. And there are issues in our life, or there are concerns in our hearts. But Father, thank you that every concern, every issue, every need, everything can be laid at the foot of the cross. And Father, thank you that we can say today, I've made a decision. 
to be crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who liveth in me in the life I now live by faith. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Father, I put my foot on the head of the serpent. I crush his head. I have been set free. For whom the Lord has set free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for your love. We thank you for your son. And we thank you for your spirit, the bond of your spirit, the bond of love. We thank you, God, for koinonia fellowship. Hallelujah. We thank you for devotion to the word, the logos and the rhema, the living word and the written word. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for revealing to us your character in generosity, that, Lord, we might be partakers of the divine nature and have that generosity flowing through us like rivers of living water flowing through us with generosity. Lord, in these seven distinctives of a great church, I pray, Lord, in us and through us. Father, these would be being magnified for your glory and for your name's sake. So, Lord, standing here in front of you, all across the cafeteria, your children, we are your sheep. You are the good shepherd. You go before us. You lead us in and you lead us out. You make us lie down in green pastures. You lead us before the still waters. And though some of us may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for thou art with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. Lord, thank you that you prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint our head with oil. Our cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, come on. Let's give it up to the Lord. Come on. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord. Pastor Dennis, have you got a song for us to sing? Will you lead us? Church, this will be our benediction. And uh, thank you for being with us today. We're going to sing this song by way of benediction. Pastor Dennis will close us in a word of prayer. Let's thank Dr. Robert Loggins again for being with us this morning. Amen. Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy fall Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior. Can move the mouth.
My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Lord God, let's give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. Yes, Lord God, we thank you this morning. And Lord, as we leave this place, we do thank you that salvation may it flow. And we ask too, Lord, as we go from this place, that we would go with hearts that are passionate about the body and the church, that we are the church. And God, we will celebrate and we'll give you thanks. We'll say yes and thanks. Amen? Amen. We say yes Yes. and thank you. you. One more time, yes? yes. Thank you. All right. Give a couple people a hug and have a good afternoon.